off the Jezreelite, had his vineyard, which was in Jezreel, next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near, next to my house. And for it I will give you a vineyard better than, than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. And she wrote in the letter, saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So the men of of his city, the elders and the nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. And they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but is dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because because of the provocation 
with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel his wife stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And so it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. And then we will also turn to the New Testament, uh, to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and reading from verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Well, this far, our scripture reading for today, and we will also now turn to the Lord's Day, the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 42, as today we are moving on to the Eighth Commandment. Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 42, page 79, in the back of your Psalter. And here we read, What does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? 
God forbids not only those thefts and robberies which are punishable by the magistrate, but he comprehends under the, sa- under the name of theft all wicked tricks and devices whereby we design to appropriate to ourselves the goods which belong to our neighbor, whether it be by force or under the appearance of rights, as by unjust weights or L's or measurements, fraudulent merchandise, false coins or usury, or by any other way forbidden by God, as also all covetousness, all abuse and waste of his gifts. But what does, question 111, but what does God require in this commandment? The answer, that I promote the advantage of my neighbor in every instance I can or may, and deal with him as I desire to be dealt with by others. Further, also, that I faithfully labor so that I may be able to relieve the needy. Dear congregation, this afternoon we'll look at the Eighth Commandment, and our text will be from Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15, where it says, You shall not steal. Now, have you ever stolen a car, children? Maybe you're not even old enough to drive a car. You say, I would never do that. But did you know that auto theft in Canada cost this country about $1 billion a year? Almost half of that are the costs associated with the police service and the justice service and prison and even the health care of, of the victims. Now, you might think, well, you're not a criminal like that. You'd never steal a car. But you know that car theft starts small. You don't start by stealing a car. But have you, have you ever sneaked a candy? Have you ever stolen a cookie or something? Maybe a toy from your neighbor? Because then you're already on the way to becoming a car thief. Maybe the first time you ever took something, you were very worried. You're very fearful of getting caught. But the second time you tried it, because the first time you got away with it, maybe the second time you got a little braver and you, you were a little more careful. And then, you, and then you said, well, now this time I'll take two. But soon it grows into a monster that you can't control. It grows. Not long ago, I found a package of cleaning supplies dumped out on the back door here of the church. And I called. I was able to call up the owner because the name was on the box and he came and retrieved it. They had heard the doorbell or the, the box being delivered and went down about 15 minutes later and it was gone. Someone had taken it off the doorstep and dumped it out here, but nobody wanted cleaning supplies, so they didn't use it. They left it. And then another day, I was driving up the road here, and I saw two young people walking down a sidewalk, maybe 10, 12 years old. And the first younger boy, he looked scared. He was looking behind him at the other boy, and he's wondering what's, I was wondering what's happening. Is, is there trouble here? And then as I kept driving, I looked again, and that, the older boy, he stopped, turned around, and went to a gate of a house. I thought, oh, maybe he lives there. And then the next time I looked, he's running down the road or down the sidewalk with the other boy holding a package. I'm like, hey, it looks like he stole that package. Now, there's no way I can prove that. But what had these boys learned in their life? Where did this start? This wasn't the first time they stole, likely, if that's what they did. Sin starts small. And if it is not stopped in their lives, 
It will continue to grow bigger and bigger. But there's no sin that is small in God's eyes. You're just as guilty of breaking God's law if you stole a candy or if you, versus if you stole a car. Yes, stealing a car is a more advanced, a bigger sin, but both of them are breaking God's law and they both come from the same sinful heart. And every one of us as well has broken this commandment in various ways. And we all need the same grace of God to deliver us from the power of our sin and this sin. Parents, we need to correct our children when we see them stealing before the police need to correct them later on in life. And that's why God says you shall not steal. And so we need to, before we take something or use something, we need to really ask ourselves, is that yours? Is that your car? Is that your candy? Is that your wife? And so our theme this afternoon is simply, is that yours? What does this command mean? You shall not steal. Well, to steal something means taking something that is not yours. See, every command seems to be written in the negative. Do not steal. Do not take anything that is yours. Do not acquire anything to yourself in the wrong way. If you look at it in the positive side, there is a proper way to get things. But it also, it's, it's further, not just getting, it's also how do we use things? What's the proper way to use the things that we have? What is, how do we care for it? And how do we care for the things that we have? Are we good stewards? So we can think of this command dealing with how we get things, how we uh, care for the things that we have, and how we use what we have. And that extends also to not just our things, but the belongings of our neighbors as well. Because all these commandments have at the heart of them love for our neighbor. How do we care for our neighbor's belongings? Of course, that means you don't take them from them. But further, how do we also help our neighbor in caring for them? Breaking this commandment shows no respect for someone else's property. It shows no respect for our neighbor, no love for our neighbor. And it shows no love for God. But it also means that private property, belongings that belong to people, is also a God-given right. We have been given the right to receive the things fairly and to have possession of private property. And that's why socialism and communism are contrary to Scripture. They don't allow for private property. Socialism is a system where everything is owned as, as, a, as a community, but it is controlled by some higher power, such as a government. And this is really against God's will and against the principle of reward for diligent work. So then, maybe the easiest way, is, I thought, was to see what this command forbids. What does this command forbids there in our second thought? And... Stealing at its heart is, is trying to get something, to gain something at someone else's expense. Trying to get something ourselves at someone else's expense. And so we can see various ways that we might be tempted to do that. And the obvious form is, is basic, just obvious theft. Taking something that does not belong to you. Whether it's a candy that belongs to your mother, whether it's a car for your or tools for your neighbor's garage, 
and we can see how we can see how big theft is, or how big a problem theft is. Especially if you go to uh, less developed countries, you see a lot of uh, barbed wire fences, razor wire on the top to try to keep people out of their properties. You see brick walls with, with broken bottles, glass bottles on the top to prevent people from scaling over the top to steal their belongings. But even in our own country, you see more fences going up, more gates, more preventative measures to keep thieves out. But then there's also theft, not so obvious, but more by deceit. The Catechism, as we read, said theft uses wicked tricks or force or under the appearance of of right by using unjust weights or measurements or fraudulent merchandise or fake money. And that story we read about Jezebel and Ahab and Naboth, they had Naboth falsely accused and then they stoned him to death. They used deceitful and wicked tricks and then they used force to try to justify stealing the vineyard. But deceit is not, doesn't always come with that kind of force. But have you ever lied about the value or the condition of your car before you tried to sell it? You knew the transmission was ready to blow up, but you tried to sell it as next to new. Did you try to sell something way over value? Have you ever tried to cheat on your tax returns? Fudging the numbers a little. You realize that's a criminal offense. The Bible says given to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Today the prices are climbing high in everything. And you wonder how much does it have to do with supply and demand and how much does it have to do with greedy people knowing they can charge more because they can get away with it. This happened too in before 2008 in Alberta when the prices of houses were climbing. People were charging double just because they could. And the same thing happens in when I was in Africa. We had to go to a building supply store, but the locals said, don't go in there. We'll go in there, check the prices, because if you walk in there, the prices will quadruple. When they see white men, they, say, they think they have money, so they increase the prices. But how about identity theft? Using false identity or false vaccination cards, maybe, now. Claiming something that is not yours. Doesn't that bring a disgrace on the name of Christian? I heard recently of a man who called himself a Christian, went to a company meeting to get an exemption for a vaccination exemption for his job. To be at the meeting, he required a negative COVID test. He brought with him a falsified COVID test. It's theft, deceit, taking something that was not his and still claiming religious exemptions. But then there's counterfeit money or cheating on the way skills when you're weighing your strawberries at the UPIC. We need to be fair. We need to be honest always. These are some of the deceitful ways that we might be tempted, but there's also theft by borrowing. Some people have a habit of borrowing from friends or family and never seem to repay even though they're able to earn money and but never pay it back whether it be tools or whether it be money or toys 
Psalm 37 says the wicked borrows and does not repay. But the righteous shows mercy and gives. If we fail to return the things that we borrow, we end up becoming a thief. And 1 John 3.17 asks, How can the love of God be in our heart if we do not help the needy when we have enough to give them? And we can also then say, How can the love of God be in our heart if we do not repay our debts when we have the ability to do so? But then there's also theft from our employers. I worked at a company for a while, and you'd see the workers coming in about 15 minutes early. They would time in their time card, and then they would go get dressed for work, and they'd sit around until the 8 o'clock bell went, and then they'd go to work. Same thing after work. And so they'd get an extra 15 minutes before and after for doing nothing, stealing a half an hour of pay from their employers when they're not working. Or statistics also show that social media now is one of the biggest time wasters for companies. Seven and a half hours on average per week are lost per person because of social media. 20% of your time is lost because people are not focusing on their jaws, but they're turning to their phones or to the Internet. Or how about using company supplies or company vehicles for personal use? Using something that is not yours without permission. But it can go the other way around as well. Theft from employees. When employers are not paying a fair market value for their employees. James 5 says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. The Lord knows what is happening. He sees the just and the unjust. And I have had to learn in my life also, it doesn't help to complain, it doesn't help to, um, to, to ask for a raise, to think you are worth more, because it just gives a bad impression. It makes, it think that, makes people think that you think you are worth more than you really are. And today's society is so filled with the entitlement attitude, but nobody's ever proved themselves worthy. But we need to entrust our lives to God, to let Him know our circumstance and our situation. And He will also provide as needed. He's the one who promotes. He's the one who puts one up and puts the other down. And the Lord will know, hear your requests. But there's also theft from misuse. Misusing the things that belong to us, that we've received from God? How do we use the gifts that God has given us, our children, the things that our, that our parents give to us, our shoes, our coats, our toys? Do we treat them with respect? Do we use them properly or do we, do we waste them? Do we not care about them? That is stealing because you're not caring for what you do have. And along with that, and... The master in Matthew 25 said to his good stewards, Well done, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you now ruler over many things. But to the servant who wasted his goods, he took it all away. And so we learn to be good stewards by taking care of the few things that we have, the little things that we have in life. If we can be trusted with a few things in our life, then people see that. And they will give us more. But if we cannot be trusted with a few simple things in our life, no one's going to trust us with 
more. There's also the question of rental properties. If we are renting something from somebody else, do we take care of their property or do we abuse it or neglect it because it's not ours? But then also there is theft from our parents. 1 Timothy 5, 4 says, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. In a sense, we rob our parents if we do not help them when they grow older. They've invested their whole life into us, and if we neglect them, we are uh, robbing from them. That's also what the Pharisees did in Mark 7. Instead of helping their parents, they would dedicate their property to the Lord and they would keep it for themselves so they didn't have to pay their parents or help their parents financially. Paul says then we become worse than unbelievers. We don't care for those of our own family in 1 Timothy 5. But something that goes even deeper is theft from from, from reputation. When you slander somebody, when you gossip about somebody behind their back, you, you rob them of their good reputation. And that could be more harm, harmful than stealing their property. If you take someone's bike, they can replace it. But if you take their good reputation, you can't replace that. You can't just go buy reputation. You need a good reputation to have a, a good job. If your employer or spouse does not trust you because of what other people have said, you've been robbed of that reputation. That's what happened here in that story of Naboth. Jezebel robbed Naboth of his reputation. She had him falsely accused. She robbed him of his reputation in order that she could rob him of his life, in order that she could rob him of his land. That was the ultimate goal. They wanted his land. And they took everything else away from him, including his life. We can also think in the terms of marriage. If you're not married to that man or woman, you may not take them. God never gave you that permission. Their body is not yours for the using. You know the story of King David, how he was up on the roof of his palace and he saw Bathsheba bathing there. And he went and he took her. He robbed her of her purity with her husband, of her marriage. Then he robbed her of her husband when he had him killed in the front lines of battle. And that is a huge problem today with the pornography industry and the sex trafficking industry where girls are robbed of everything. They might smile on the pictures, but behind that they have been emptied of everything valuable in this life. And most of them They say most of the pictures that are on the internet are now pictures of people who have killed themselves or died because of drug abuse, because they have been robbed of their value, of their life. It is stealing because you're using them for your own pleasure and for financial gain. They've been robbed of all life, of all hope, of all self-esteem, and of all reputation. But there's also theft from intellectual property. In the engineering world, we would design products for another company. They would pay us for their services, and that design then belonged to them. We could not use that same design for another company because then we would get paid twice for the same design. It was now theirs. 
And so there's, there's intellectual property that belongs to a company or to a, a person. And the same is true in the academic world. It's called plagiarism when you steal someone else's idea, someone else's work, and claim it as your own. Or in school, if you cheat by copying someone else's answers or copying someone else's homework, it's stealing, cheating on exams. But then we also steal from God. In all these ways we steal from God because He is the one who who gives us everything in this life. And if we take something that's not ours, we are saying God never gave us enough and we steal from Him. But what does God say in Malachi 3 verse 8? He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But I say you, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me even this whole nation. He says to Israel that they were withholding their gifts and sacrifices to the Lord. God gives us everything that we have and everything that we need. And if you remember the story of the foolish farmers, he's called in, in Luke 12. He, he worked hard. He had, he had such a plentiful crop that he said, now I need to build bigger barns. But then he said, now I'll take my ease because I have enough to retire on. I have enough to live happily for the rest of my life. And that night the Lord said, you fool, I will take your life And the reason that Luke says is he was not rich toward God. God had blessed him abundantly, but he kept it all for himself. God does not give us our wealth so we can sit back and enjoy the rest of our life and do nothing. The Israelites were robbing God because they were not giving God what he was, what he required and the tithes and the offerings. But it's not only financially that we need to repay God and to be mindful of Him, but it's also in our worship. We rob God when we do not worship Him as He requires and as He is worth. We sang from Psalm 96, and there it says, Give unto the Lord the glory, do His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. The word worship comes from two words, worth and ship. And it means to give God what he is worth. And so the psalm says, come into his courts to worship. It's coming to give God what he is worth. It's not, determ- it's not governed by what we determine to be sufficient, but it's governed by what God is worth. He is worthy of our worship of our sacrifices, of our praise, and of our life, because He is holy, and God requires it. And that's what, that's what the saints will sing to all, all eternity, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And so if we use God's day for something else than what He has given it for, we are robbing Him of His own day. But also when we, when we work on Sunday, we're not only robbing God's day, but we're taking God's day for ourselves. But we're saying that God does not give us enough on the six days that He has given us for that. But even if when we earn money on that day, it's stolen money because we are working on the day that God has not given us to work. We've acquired it unlawfully. And so that's briefly a few ways to look at what is forbidden by this commandment. Now we can look at a at what this command requires. 
And so if this command forbids a wrongful getting and an improper use of this, the opposite is to give, to love God and our neighbor and to, to give and to promote the things of others instead of taking from them. Acts 20 says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so first we need to be mindful to stop stealing from God, stop robbing Him of His worship, and instead give God what He is worth. Not only our worship, but our, our, our money, our time, our talents that He has given, our, our gifts, because everything that we are and everything that we have comes from Him. We give Him our life, we give Him our all. And so Malachi 3 verse 10 continues and says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and try me now or test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will be no room enough to receive it. God is saying, just test me. If you will give to me what is required and what he is worth, then God is more ready and able to pour out so many blessings that you're not able to to contain it. Now, this is not a bargaining tool, but this is, but God knows the hearts. It's if we acknowledge who God is and everything that comes from God, He will also repay, He will also bless those who honor Him. And so we need to stop stealing from others. As we read in Ephesians 4, God says, No longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles with greediness, because we have not so learned Christ. But he said in verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands that is good, so that he may have something to give those who have need. God wants us to work diligently so that we can help others in need. And so the positive side is this, we need, is we need to work diligently so that we can help others. And Paul explains this also in Colossians 3 where he tells even the servants to work uh, faithfully for their masters. Not, not with eye service or, or men pleasers. In, but he says, whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. He says it even, even to slaves. So never mind of those who can work freely. To work as unto the Lord. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So we must work for the Lord, unto the Lord. Work for the creator and sustainer of this world. Isn't that a motivation for you, whether you're in a good occupation or a, or a difficult occupation? Work for the Lord who alone can bless you in whatever circumstance you are. And wherever you are, can the people then see that you are a Christian by how you work? Does your work ethic and your work attitude show that you work for the Lord? And that reminds me again of, a, of that illustration we heard in our Bible study that Sinclair Ferguson said he, he was walking through a building and he heard this typewriter going at a, at a constant pace every time he walked by the door. And he had to ask about it. Why is that typewriter continually going at one pace? And the boss said, because she's a Christian. She works this steadily, this faithfully, every day. She was a witness by her typewriter, her steady work. 
And so we also need to work diligently as unto the Lord and not just to please men. And positively, we need to respect other people's property. And that begins, first of all, with being content with what the Lord has given us as well, whether that be a lot or a little. Because it's this discontent that causes us to want something else. And so even if we find something else, if we find a package opened, or if we see a package on the street, or if we find something that doesn't belong to us, as much as we think we would like to have it, try to return it to the rightful owner. Is it yours? No. Be mindful of others. If we borrow something, bring it back. It's like the catechism says that we read, promote the advantage of our neighbor in every instance that I may or can and treat others how you want to be treated. If you lost something, you would want it returned. It does happen. I found a wallet before on the road. Someone left it on the roof of his car and he drove away and all his contents were spread out. And I was able to return it to him. I would want other people to do the same to me if I lost my wallet. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Be hospitable to other people who are in need. Freely need, lending freely to the needy. But then also and lastly, have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have a sin debt beyond repaying. We have stolen from God and from each other. Stolen from God because we have lived in sin and apart from Him. We have not. We have never given Him the glory that is due unto His name. We have broken every one of His commandments. And we owe Him an infinite debt which we cannot repay. But there is one who has, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so even little children and adults and young people, if we have stolen in our life, we need to confess our faults and we need to ask for forgiveness. If we have stolen from our parents, we need to ask forgiveness from our parents. If we have stolen from others, we need to ask forgiveness. But above all, we need to ask forgiveness for God to confess our faults to God who says if we confess our faults, He is faithful and just to forgive us. And that as Ephesians says, you have not so learned Christ, let those who stole steal no more, that our life may be changed by His grace. Because we learn of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to pay this debt. He's the one who humbled Himself, who, who laid down His glory, His riches in heaven, made Himself of no reputation, Philippians said. He became a bondservant. On this earth He was robbed of His of his dignity and of his reputation and he he submitted even to the shameful death on the cross all to repay all to pay for greedy sinners who stole that honor from him but he took that shame to bring you back to himself and then really when we sit here we can ask the question what can we give back to the lord and that's the very thing that Psalm 116 asks. What shall I render? What shall I return unto the Lord for all His benefits towards me? And the answer is, I will take up of the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Take more grace and mercy.
to receive of him that salvation that he alone can provide and we never can earn. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I will bring thanksgiving, it says. Worship, praise, and thanksgiving. And receiving more of his hand, of his bounty of grace. And that he also promises to to open the heavens when you call upon his name. To pour out more blessings than you could ever receive. So we can ask, as we go through this life, is it yours? Before we take anything and use anything, receive it from the Lord. And the same goes for the grace of God. Is it yours? Only by the free and sovereign grace of God, He freely gives to the needy. Amen.